0: So today's message, here we go. Don't you love the look on those girls' faces? (laughs) That's why I picked it. I thought, oh, that looks pretty cool. As we begin today, I just want you to know that what we're about to talk about is probably, arguably, one of the most contentious passages of Scripture in the new testament if not in the whole bible and of course i'm referring to paul's letter to young timothy about how the women in the church should behave of course our women typically don't behave right i mean no 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 i'm messing with you you guys are awesome so the question that that i would like to pose to you is was paul's statement Excluding women from preaching and teaching, universal in its application. We know he said it, but was it universal? Was it intended to be applied to every church setting from then until Jesus comes back? And that's what we're going to look at today. So if you have your Bible or your phone, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to begin with verse 8 and end with verse 12. after we read this passage i intend to come swing back around and look a little bit at the context and the historical things that were going on during this time period would you mind if we prayed one more time i kind of did already but uh just bow your heads father again we are humbled to be able to listen to your word. That word that is living and active, it's like a two-edged sword cutting through to the deepest parts of our inner self, Lord. And I believe that the word never returns void. And Lord, today I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the things you want us to see and hear. Open our hearts up to receive from you Lord, we commit this short time into Your hands. Again, we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 1 Timothy 2. And I'm going to be reading from uh, the TNIV again today. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. So let me just say right away, men, this is... Our position I love watching you guys praising the Lord I love watching you guys pray with your hands lifted high we've got nothing to be ashamed of thanks to Jesus there is no condemnation in Christ and ironically as we understand this passage to read the men were fighting while they were praying I've seen that before it's pretty crazy So again, men, lift holy hands without anger or disputing. Then the next verse, I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. And who's talking now? All the women. Now that I've read that passage, Hopefully, you knew it was there. Hopefully, you've read it before. I'd like to say that I don't believe Paul was a male chauvinist. In fact, I believe the opposite was actually true. And as I've studied this out, I believe that when taken in context, Paul's correction toward women given to Pastor Timothy was not intended to be a prohibition of women from ever speaking in the church nor was it intended to deny women the freedom to exercise their god-given calling to teach and to preach rather i would like to suggest today that the apostle paul was addressing a specific issue within the ephesian church one with both cultural and historical i use the word underpinnings okay that's kind of what held it down, the tent stakes, if you will. Perhaps one of the most difficult things for you and me, for the modern reader, is that we didn't come from his culture. In order to understand what Paul was saying and not saying, we need to understand that he was writing to a young pastor. What was his name? Timothy. Who was struggling with how to minister to this. Lively bunch of saints. Well, we've already seen that, right? The men were praying and, and fighting for crying out loud. That's pretty lively. Specifically, he had some men who had been influencing the women in the church, teaching them heretical things, and they latched on to it, and they in turn were causing disruptions during the church service. This made it very difficult for Pastor Timothy to teach the gospel that he was called to preach and teach. We see this over and again, if I can get this to work, in these passages behind me. If you didn't know this already, Timothy was pastoring in the city of, who knows, Ephesus, some of you knew that. That city was very important to Rome at the time. In fact, it was considered to be the second capital of the Roman Empire found in Asia Minor. It had a rich cultural diversity that included the Temple of Artemis. This is a model, this is a rendering of what it would have looked like. Can you see why they might have considered it one of the seven wonders of the world? Artemis was a Greek goddess who was worshipped for her fertility and they felt she brought them safety as they went through childbirth. So Rachel, if you'd lived back during this time, tomorrow you would have been perhaps looking to Artemis. Of course, we know our God is the one to look to, right? Right? But at that time, this is what was going on, and she was a very important deity to the women of Paul's time. In fact, I like to put it like this, and, and, and I hope I don't step on anybody's toes here, but in modern day, what do we do? We take the statue, not us, but some, take the statue of Mary, and they put it on our, the dashboard of their vehicle. Why do they do that? They think that she what? Protects them as they drive, their occupants. Of course, what do we call that? Superstition. (laughs) Idolatry, yes. That's just a statue. But this is how they looked to this goddess. And they they actually had statues of her that some of the silversmiths, we'll get to this in a minute, but some of the silversmiths had created and sold. They made pretty good money on selling the Artemis wares. She had many cult followers, and she even had her own holidays that they celebrated a couple of times a year. Many felt that this goddess also provided economic stability for the people of Ephesus, especially the vendors who catered to the tourists, the hotels or motels or inns, whatever they were. They felt that this goddess and her temple brought many Into their community, and of course, they profited off of that. We in Gaylord can understand that, right? We're a tourist Mecca, and most of our businesses thrive off of not our own people, but the people that come up north to get into God's country, right? And that's what they were like there. Interestingly, in Acts chapter 19, there was a revolt that was led by one of these vendors, a silversmith. This vendor was up in arms because what he saw happening was the gospel as it was being preached was causing people to be disinterested in Artemis. What did that mean for them? Their prophets were going to go, and they didn't want that. This is found in Acts chapter 19, verses 23 to 41. I'll let you read that on your own. But I did want to show you this is the existing temple. That's what's left of it. So I guess that goddess didn't last too long. It's important to understand that the women that Paul addressed in this letter to Timothy, that they could have been and probably were influenced by this cult it's quite probable that at least some of the ladies that paul was addressing in his letter might have worn or would have worn some of the outfits that would have been seen at the temple of artemis that cultish style would not have been very desirable in a church setting all right it would kind of be like us using the phrase today well, that woman's dressed like a prostitute. You know immediately, right, what that means. She's dressed provocatively more so than she should be for the setting that you're in. We could preach that today, couldn't we? I don't have to worry too much about that here, because you guys are usually bundled up in your coats and your sweaters and your long johns and... But if you go down to Florida in the summer, you know, it can get a little lighter clothing. And sometimes, I mean, somebody, one of the older gals, probably needs to go over to a younger gal and just say, hey, you probably need to cover up about 20% more of the body. Just saying. And that is precisely what Paul was addressing in this first letter to Timothy. Let's go back and read verses 9 and 10. Again, that's up behind me. I also want the women to dress modestly, with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with what? Good deeds, appropriate for women who profess to worship God. So he's he's calling the women, and listen, these these ladies were new to Christianity. Christianity. And that's the thing, if, if we had somebody come in here today that was dressed a little lighter than they probably should be, we wouldn't say, oh, you know, get out, go get some clothes on, girl. No. We would welcome them. Try not to look at them too much. And then hopefully, as they learned about Jesus, and as some of our ladies would take this young person under their wing, then, then she would be told... We don't ever want to expel somebody. I've seen it. And I'm telling you, that breaks my heart and I know it breaks God's. We need to be gentle. We need to tell the truth in love when when a situation like that happens. So hear hear my heart here. Alright? Because I believe that's God's heart. He's also talking about worshiping here. The ladies needed to Learn how to worship. It wasn't about this. It wasn't about the style you were wearing. The clothes, the jewelry there. That should have been the last thing on their mind. What was important was what? Where their heart was. Were they there to worship God or were they there to show off? Let's look at the nouns, and I underlined them here. Modesty, decency, propriety, all of these have to do with morals and conduct. So again, I'm just emphasizing what Paul was trying to get at. He addressed the hairstyle and the jewelry as well, and it's it's obvious to me that he was calling the women out, and he's basically just saying, look, you guys need to tone it down. Is that okay to have that conversation? Well, it's my body, and I'll do with it what I want. Okay. But everybody else has to look at you, so. When I go fishing, I use lures for a reason. The flashier, the better. Why? Why? Because they attract. This is what Paul was saying to the ladies. You're drawing too much attention to yourself. You're, it appears, trying to attract the men in the church to you. (laughs) Some were married. And these ladies most likely weren't. And we'll get to that in a minute. So he's basically saying, look... You shouldn't be coming to church to attract attention to yourself. Whether it's a provocative, alluring look or if it was just to show off their stuff because some of them were very wealthy. Paul was saying that's not the place. One of the things I love about this church is I look around here. I don't see anybody wearing high-dollar stuff here. And That's all right if you do. I'm just saying... We're just common people who love the Lord. And we come in here not to let everybody see how awesomely wealthy we are or or how far we've gone in our life, but rather just to love God together. To worship Him and to love on one another as the opportunity presents itself. The way that these women were dressed, May have even been influential in, in causing some of the men to argue. And, and this is just hypothetical. Uh, I didn't read anything about this, but it hit me, struck me when I read it. You know, I know that if if there were a beautiful woman that were sitting in the front row here and I kept staring at her, and I'm not looking at you, I'm just you are a beautiful young lady, but I'm I'm I don't want you to get the wrong idea here. If I kept looking at her, what do you think my wife would do eventually? Boom! Ha <laughs> ah. But she should. She's my helpmate. Get your eyes back on Jesus, boy. So we can't be sure, but it's, it's a possibility that that was another thing Paul was trying to address. After Paul mentioned the clothing and the hair and the jewelry and all of that, he then shifts gears into the two verses that I really want to focus on today. The two tough ones. (laughs) There are more, but I didn't have time to get to the rest. So verse 11. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. Should have the ladies read that out loud. But that would be breaking church rules. Verse 11 says that a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. It would be easy to misunderstand what Paul was saying here because we've been a part of the modern women's movement. This last century has been amazing for the advances in the equality of women versus men. Believe it or not, you may not feel like this, but believe it or not, you've come a long way. We've come a long way. And I don't know of too many men that I see anymore that are chauvinistic. Except apparently for Jeff down here because he's, he's getting elbowed right now. I have no idea what he said, but Chris is over here whooping on him. Uh-oh. The spirit of laughter has hit... Here's what I want you to understand. During the time of Paul, when he wrote Timothy this letter, women were not held in the highest of esteem. In fact, there are actually uh, different historical documents that suggest that some men thought or believed their slaves were worth more or more valuable than their wives. Kind of sad. And I wouldn't, I'd wager the guess. They probably said that about their dog, too. Typically, women in the first century were not educated. Therefore, they would have had little to say or they would have had little to add to an intelligent conversation. Thankfully, today that's changed. We have so many women who have gone on to get their PhDs or two or three. We have some brilliant ladies today that are out there in our community. Here's the thing, it was actually considered to be rude for an ignorant person to speak up. They were expected to listen and remain quiet. So what Paul is saying here is really a cultural thing. But listen to this, what he said was also countercultural. Paul is acknowledging that women can learn. You see, you could skim over that and completely miss it. Prior to the gospel, women were put down, and they were never allowed in the Jewish synagogues. They could listen, but they could never participate in the discussions. He's saying women can learn, but they have to do it in silence. It'd be easy for us to miss that. So I wanted to make sure that you understood this is groundbreaking for him to say this. I believe that what he was really saying to these ladies was this. First, learn the fundamentals. Then you can join the conversation. But until then, be quiet and submit to the authority. Who was the authority? At the time, Timothy, the pastor. That's what Paul was telling them to do. And then in verse 12, moving right along, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. There it is again. Philip Payne, author of Man and Woman, One in Christ. It's a really good book. He said that this verse would be more accurately read as this, and I put it up behind me. Let women learn in all submission. I am not permitting a woman to teach and, in combination with this, to assume authority over a man. Then Payne asks in his book, Why does Paul prohibit women from assuming authority to teach men? Then he answers, And he gives two reasons. Here's the first one. For women to assume authority to teach men without recognized authorization by the church was, would have been, disrespectful to the men whom they ought to respect since man was the source from whom woman came. And then he gives some scripture references there. What he's referring to, of course, is who came first, the chicken or the egg? No, Adam came first, right? According to... Uh, the first few chapters of Genesis. God created man in his image. Adam was first. Then the animals, nope, the animals. Then Adam, then God said, name him. And he did. But that's when he saw that the man was alone. And it wasn't good for him to be alone. Have you ever noticed that when men are alone for any length of time, we get weirded out. God saw that immediately and he said, I am going to create a helper, a helpmate, a woman who is going to compliment him. Now, let me ask you this Do you think, when the Lord did that, do you think that God was saying, Well, Adam's better than Eve because he came first? Any logic to that? I've heard that argument. And as one very intelligent woman said, then what about the animals? Because they came before Adam. Should they be ranked above Adam? So that kind of blows that logic out of the water. The woman was there to compliment him. Adam wasn't better than Eve. He was just different. Listen we live in an age where people are saying there's no difference between men and women and i'm here to tell you today yes there is if it isn't obvious to you already i'll stop there the second thing he said was some women were deceived by the false teachers to follow after satan And this is actually mentioned in in, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, but Paul had already prohibited the false teachers from spreading their heresy. Here he similarly restricts the women, the only group that Paul identified as being deceived by these others. So the women did suck into their lies, all right? And he was trying to address that. That's why he picked on them specifically. So was Paul telling the women that they were second-class citizens, that men were better than them. Here's a proof text. Galatians 3, 28-29, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There is nothing available to men that isn't available to women when it comes to Jesus Christ. We are all equal. The playing field has been leveled. So how could women be under the men? How could women be refused the opportunity to teach men if this were the case? It just doesn't add up. Amen? Now, we know that Paul often followed cultural mandates, and we see this in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 5. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. There are a bunch of other verses there, but basically all he's saying is, do this, if you're going to pray or prophesy, in the church with men. What does that tell us? Hello? <laughs> Women are, sp- are not being quiet in the church. This is Paul saying this. So do you see the, the contradiction here? Do you understand where I'm going with this? Women were praying and prophesying as long as they covered their heads. They were not being silent. And most would agree that when you speak prophetically, that is teaching. When Julie or any one of the other saints, Sue, when you guys have a word for us, I'm hanging on it. I'm like what is God saying to us today? So if Paul truly meant that statement in 1 Timothy 2 verses 11 and 12 if he meant them to be universal, it would not make sense why he would allow women to pray and prophesy here in the church as long as they covered their heads you still with me what about elsewhere in the new testament i love this part how did paul treat women what about what about where paul called phoebe a deacon what can women be deacons? That's a whole nother animal. But the translations correctly render this as deacon. How cool is that? Here's the thing. Phoebe delivered the letter to the Roman church from Paul. And usually when you delivered a letter to the church, what did you do when you got there with it? Hear ye, hear ye, thus saith Paul. Okay, that's King James, probably not accurate. but So Phoebe would have read that letter. Phoebe would have taught the men. How cool is that? I think it's pretty cool. And then, uh, verse 2, Paul commends Priscilla. Some versions say Prissa. Did you know Priscilla ran a house church? Here's the irony. And and some would say, well, Priscilla was married to Aquila. So she's just his wife. Just his wife. (laughs) Here we go. But... Here's the interesting part. Who did Paul name first? Priscilla. Three times this happened. When Paul addressed Priscilla and Aquila. Hear this. In the Greek world, you always said the man first. Something was going on here. What was it? I believe Priscilla was the key player in this family. She was the leader. And listen, how many know, you've seen Joyce Myers? Her husband supports her 110%, if that's possible. Similar, Aquila supported his wife. And here's the really cool part. In Acts 18.26, Apollos had been out preaching, and he was a very eloquent man. He preached way better than Paul. He was a very intelligent man. He had a lot of knowledge in him, educated. But some of the things that he was saying weren't lining up with the gospel. And Priscilla and Aquila heard him and said, Hey, come on over to our house. We want to share a few things with you. And they corrected his doctrine. She taught a man. You still with me? Have I lost you yet? I think this is pretty good stuff. Because there are a lot of teachings out there today saying women should not speak. It's okay if you go down and do children's ministry, but don't you dare start teaching men. Whatever. I don't believe that that's what Paul intended. The last one that I want to bring out here, again in Romans, verse 7, Junia. I say, and many translators say this as well, I say that Paul called her an apostle. A lot of guys try to get around this because it doesn't line up with their theology. They don't feel women should speak in the church. Therefore, he couldn't have meant Junia was an apostle. But it's the only way that this reads properly. Some have said, well, and some of your versions will do this, they actually try to make it sound like she was a he. But let me tell you this. Somebody way better than me did the research on this and they couldn't find one other example of the Greeks using the word, the the masculine form of junia. Nowhere, ever. So that tells me this was a woman and Paul commended her for being a powerhouse in that day. Even equal to The apostles. And to be an apostle, you had to have been taught by Jesus Himself, which she obviously was. She was a disciple of Christ. And he said, she knew Him before I did, Paul said. I kind of threw this in that by trying to call Junia a man, the masculine, would be similar to us using that Johnny Cash song, calling a, a boy named Sue. I've never heard of a boy named Sue. Now, today, that could happen. <laughs> but during Paul's day, it wouldn't have. And that's my point is, I believe this was a female. I believe she was an apostle. And he held her in the highest of esteem. So who then were the women that Paul was addressing in this letter? Consider that most of the conversation in this passage 1st Timothy 5 1 through 17 is all about the widows and he goes into some detail and then in 2nd uh, Timothy 3 6 he actually talks about how men have weaseled their way into their homes and convinced them of untruths I believe he's talking about the widows you see those ladies wouldn't have had the option of going home and having their husbands teach them because they didn't have a husband they were widowed are you with me most likely these were the ones that would, had been deceived by the men that Paul called out in the first chapter those spreading heresy. Was that why Paul sounded so rigid with the ladies? Perhaps. It was suggested that by more than one source that some of the women who were were in the church of Ephesus were actually quite wealthy and widowed. And they would have been used to speaking up whenever they chose to. Things were a little different in Ephesus. Ephesus. Plus, if they were wealthy, they would have ran their own homes. In fact, some of them probably owned businesses. But at the very least, they would have been used to having male servants who they would have told what to do. So then they they arrive in this church setting to hear the gospel, and they feel like, hey, I can say whatever I want, because I'm somebody. Somebody. And Paul was saying, Whoa, uh-uh. you got to learn first. Get the fundamentals in you first. Learn Christianity 101 first. Then, then maybe you can begin to speak to the rest of the body. Does that make sense? Were the widows the reason for Paul's rebuke? Very possibly. Paul made it very clear to Timothy that he was to keep the doctrine pure. You've got to, you've got to understand, if, if I start right here and I get off two degrees and I go 500 miles, where am I going to end up? Somewhere way off the beaten path. And, and Paul's concern was, Timothy, if you don't rein these people in and if they continue to peddle this false religion the heresy that these men have given them if they continue like this then it's gonna dilute the gospel it's gonna take people away from christ and then they're gonna miss the mark so you have got to get this back on track and obviously timothy was afraid of this he he was a timid pastor how many times did paul say step it up boy my paraphrase. So Paul was concerned that the gospel was going to be watered down if something didn't happen soon. And, and that's the whole purpose of the letter, was to get Timothy to take charge, to be the authority that he was called to be, and not to let those ladies or men run all over him. When I first started here back in 2002, I started a Wednesday night Bible study. And Peggy, I don't know if you even remember this. And there was a group in the church that they weren't really sure that I should be here. In other words, they weren't really thrilled that I was the new pastor. And on a Wednesday night, I'm trying to preach, or I should say teach, going through verse-by-verse studies. And this little group, and it happened about two two weeks, I think, in a row, this little group came in and and they sat in the back and they had their own Bible study separate from the one I was doing. And after the second week, I was like, this ain't happening. (laughs) I mean, I was a young guy, but I knew if I didn't do something, they were going to take it over. They already had. So I went to them and I said, look, I'm up here doing my Bible study. It's rude that you guys aren't listening. And you're somewhere else. You're talking about all the other things that are going on in your life. I said, if you're going to be here, I'm going to have to ask that you join us. Participate with the study I'm doing. That's the last time I saw them. (laughs) They went somewhere else. But we had order after that. And I believe that's what Paul was saying to young Timothy was look you got to get control here not in a bad way just in order so that people can learn because if everybody's out here talking having their own conversations and and I'm up here trying to teach you guys you know on Wednesday nights we actually give you opportunity to interject and I love it but Sunday morning it's my turn I just ask that you sit here and listen and, and write notes or whatever you choose to do, but let God do something in you. Because we prayed this through. This is His message to you. But it wouldn't be like that if everybody was doing their own thing and there was chaos in the service and men were fighting over who we were going to pray for and... Why are you looking at my wife? Or why are you looking at that widow? Or whatever. Paul told Timothy, you've got to take control. As I begin to close, I want you to know, this is from my heart. I don't believe that what Paul intended to say there back in 1 Timothy 2, I don't believe he intended it to close the door for half of our church on their ability to be able to go after Jesus, to answer the call, to follow him. You probably already know this since my wife is an ordained minister, that we in the assemblies of God believe women are called to preach and to teach and to run churches and to lay hands on the sick and to prophesy and whatever else God chooses to do with them. Just like He does with the men. There's no difference. I believe that with all my heart. And so if you'd stand to your feet, what I wanted to say to you ladies today, I wanted to encourage you. When you take Paul's letter and then you compare it to the rest of the Scriptures, you'll see that it would have been a great contradiction had Paul meant that statement to be universal. I believe He intended it for the the women, specifically the widows, in Ephesus, that until you learn the basics, please just listen and be quiet. And later we'll look at this again. If if you're called to preach or to teach, so be it. We'll see that. God will show it to us. And the, the church will give you that authority to respond in kind. How many can say amen? I hope this ministered to you like it did to me. It's something I've wanted to teach on a long time, and I'm gonna close with this. Ladies, you are welcome to preach and teach right here at the Hope. In the assemblies of God across the land and across the world, we have so many wonderful saints who have done absolute miracles for God. And I wanted to say, with all the heads bowed in here today, I didn't know exactly how I was going to close. But I know it's it's intended to be an encouragement to you ladies. And maybe to some of you men. Again, I want every female to know that God calls you to specific places in the body sometimes there are places men can't operate but other times it's just like the men it's a cross gender kind of ministry men and women and just by an upraised hand with all eyes closed heads bowed please if you're here today you say pastor i feel that i i feel like god is calling me to something bigger than me something outside of my comfort zone and and i just want to acknowledge that today would you just lift your hand up so i can see it thank you thank you hands going up thank you thank you wow all over thank you you put them down Mm. this is a hard one i want to ask if you you're here today Maybe you you need to repent for your treatment of women. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're a man. I've seen more viciousness come out of women, Christians, toward other women who felt they were called than I have out of the men. But whichever way, heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I need to repent. I need to say, sorry, Lord. Help me with this. If that's you, lift your hand up, please. Please. Anybody else? Yep, hands up. Yep, thank thank you. Put them down. And finally, if you're a woman and you're here today and you say, Pastor Norm, this is refreshing, but I've been wounded because of this very thing. And I just need help with forgiveness. I just need help to heal from the things that have been said to me about my trying to serve the Lord in the capacity I feel he's called me. If that's you, would you lift your hand up, please? Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put them down. God bless you. I mean that, God bless you. Would you pray with me, saints? Heavenly Father, bind us together with cords of love. I am thankful that women and men are equal in Christ. And today, I honor my sister, Help me to love her. And if God's called her to specific ministries, help me to encourage her and support her and pray for her. And Lord, if I've been hurt, heal me, help me with that. Especially the forgiveness part. Help me to forgive those who have been caustic to me.
1: Lord, I love you,
0: and I give you my life, all that I am, all that I have. It's yours, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last but not least, if you feel that you're called to do something beyond yourself, something even supernatural, please talk to us. Whether it's me or Pastor Barb, we would love to help you through the process, whatever that might look like, and to get you moving in the right channel that God's put you in. We're all on a journey, and we're in this together, and we need to help each other get to the other side. And I want you to know, ladies, that the people here at The Hope love you, support you, and will Do the same if you're called into ministry. All right? Is that clear? Good message? Bad? Yay? Nay? Again, next Sunday, I'm going to share some things God put on my heart, and they'll be from my heart. Love you. Father, bless this people. Uh, Keep us safe as we come and go today and and the families that are traveling. I've seen a couple of them here today that are not from Michigan. Lord, bless them. Keep them safe. We again uh, entrust all the ministries of this church into your hands, the very success of each man and woman, boy and girl. God, may you be glorified. May you be well pleased when it's all said and done. And everybody in this house said,